Welcome to episode 48 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. We're glad you're uh, with us today and uh, thankful to have uh, here the Reverend Ross Hodges, the very, very, very <laughs> Reverend uh, Ross Hodges. And uh, we're unable to, to have Gabriel with us today because he's has some responsibilities at the College of Charleston. So he's uh, blowing us off, but we still love him. Imagine and, uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're putting a paycheck above us. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the huge bonuses we give him to I be know. on this podcast. I, I mean, incredible. Um, well, anyway, uh, we have been studying the Book of Romans in our men's Bible study over uh, the past year uh, on our Thursday morning men's Bible study. By the way, any, any men listening to this uh, that can make that study, we'd love you to, to join us on Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. at the church offices down on Broad Street. Uh, but we've been studying the book of Romans, and uh, we are now in chapter 12. Uh, we studied verses 3 through 8 this morning on the topic of spiritual gifts. And it's interesting that after 11 chapters of uh, foundational doctrine for the Christian life, we come to chapter 12, where Paul says uh, that by these mercies, in light of God's amazing saving grace in Christ Jesus, now live in a way that's holy and acceptable to God, mm-hmm. uh, for this is your spiritual worship. We're, we're called to not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And then, uh, you know, if you were writing this on your own, you would probably launch out of the gate with application that was super important for the Christian life. You know, sort of the first application. What does Paul talk about? He talks about spiritual gifts in the life of the church. Mm. Um, this is telling us a lot here, I think, about the importance of the church, the centrality of the church for the Christian life. Uh, the church is not uh, just a suggestion. It's not something you do if you feel like it. It's not uh, a voluntary organization for Christians. It's actually uh, that which every Christian united to Christ by grace through faith is called, is exhorted, is commanded to be a part of. Yes. In fact, you are a member of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not that you become one. You are one, and you're called to exercise that membership in yes. the life of a local body that's doing things according to Scripture. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so Paul takes off on that uh, and and begins to uh, exhort us, in, in light of everything he said, as you mentioned in chapters 1 through 11, uh, to think about yourself as a member of the body of Christ, but to think about yourself in a particular way. Mm. And uh, just to, to get to the text here, uh, he says, beginning in verse 3 of chapter 12, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And the, the first thing he says as he's getting into the issue of spiritual gifts is don't be puffed up. Don't be proud. He's going to go on and explain this a little bit further. Uh, but perhaps the first thing to say here is that as we think about the body of Christ and its many members and how those members need one another, there's this inherent danger uh, because of our sin and our proud hearts that we tend to exalt ourselves and to think of ourselves in a way that we should not um, as, as those who can lord it over other people, as those who are better than others, as those who are more spiritual than others, who have better gifts or more important gifts or, or something of that fact. That's mm-hmm. unfortunately just part of our sinful heart is the natural tendency to do that. And Paul is telling us right away, 
Don't do that. Yes, we tend to exalt our strengths and minimize our weaknesses. Yes. And exalt others' weaknesses and to minimize their strengths. And it's all so that we can grade ourselves on a curve. Exactly. And so when we are not thinking of ourselves with sober judgment and with humility, recognizing that any faith or gifts that we exercise are a gift from God, then we will walk down the path of pride, arrogance, uh, which doesn't end well. No, we, we tend to think in the church uh, as sinners, we, we tend to think that we're such a great gift to everybody else. <laughs> oh man, how they need me. I'm, I'm, I'm so great. I've got this gift. I'm sort of the best thing since sliced bread. Um, but that is a that is a a, a ploy of Satan. I, yes. I would argue that that divides churches, that creates hostility, that breeds contempt. Now there would be that kind of uh, arrogance displayed uh, at times, but I think also there's the opposite uh, tendency among Christians, and that is that they think they don't have anything to offer. Yes, uh, but that actually is contrary to Scripture. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast now and you're a Christian believer. It's not, has the Lord given you spiritual gifts to exercise in the life of the church? But uh, the, the, it's, the Lord has given you gifts, and how are you going to yes. exercise? you are a part of the body. You are a part of the body. And verse 4 says, For as in one body we, that is individual Christians, have many members, we the church have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another mm-hmm. having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them yeah uh, so this is not a question of whether or not you have spiritual gifts you do have spiritual gifts the lord has given to you in in first corinthians chapter 12 we have a list of gifts there some which have ceased because they are apostolic gifts but others mm-hmm. that are still uh ordinarily used in the church today yeah uh, and those are given by the Holy Spirit, it says. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we have gifts that the Lord has given His church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then here, we have God the Father uh, giving gifts to His church. So the Holy Trinity is serious, uh, of course, about giving gifts to His children so that they would be interdependent and show the union and communion uh, of a Christ-centered body. Yes, and as Paul says elsewhere, no member of that body can say to the other members, I don't need you. And you think of the, the illustration with our physical bodies. Our eye can't tell our heart, I don't need you, and the hand doesn't tell the ear, I don't need you, and vice versa. They're all interconnected, interdependent, they need one another, and that's designed by God, isn't it? Yes. That, that none of us are autonomous, none of us are self-sufficient, um, and in fact we exist in one sense for the betterment of others. Yes, and I um, preached from Ephesians 4 uh, a while back in a, in a sister church, and one of the things that, that, that came out um, in my study, which was something I hadn't really thought deeply about uh, before then, was that Jesus loves his church so much that he gives the, the individual members of his church gifts so that they can love and care for one another yes. and teach one another and rebuke one another and give to one another and serve one another and show mercy to one another and mm-hmm. comfort one another. And, and all of these gifts, which are going to be less or more in the lives of God's people, depending on who it is, depending on what their strengths and weaknesses are, yeah. as they together form the bonds of Christian unity and friendship and love and serve one another with these gifts, the church will only be stronger. So 
alternatively, if a church isn't functioning well, it means that Christians are just holding people at arm's length. You know, they're coming to church once or twice a month on a Sunday morning and really not engaging with people or demonstrating any concern mm-hmm. for the sick or the struggling uh, or rejoicing with those who rejoice. Yeah. They're really just living an autonomous Christian life and popping in and out of the worship service once or twice a month. And that's really not what Paul's talking about here, is it? it no, it's and that attitude that you're talking about is a consumeristic attitude, isn't it? It is. It's coming to the church as you would come to a restaurant or a a gym or whatever else and say, what can the church do for me? How can I be served? How can my needs be met? And while there is truth to the fact that the church is the gift of the Lord Jesus to his people to feed them and to serve them and to shepherd them and all those things, it is a it is a dangerous attitude when that is the only thing that is there. And instead, what Paul goes for here in Romans 12 is saying, uh, beginning in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, uh, all of those things uh, are oriented not for ourselves but for others. Yes. There's to be this uh, this attitude that it's not about me. Yes. And that's where he starts off the text saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Um, the, you bring these th- two things together and you, you realize what Paul is saying is that the gifts that you've been given, one, they are gifts that you can't take pride in them. They're not inherently uh, uh, something that, that you've worked up in yourself. They're a gift of God's grace and faith that he's given you. Um, and they're not primarily about you. Yes, they're about serving others. And that's you know essentially part of why Paul here says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. These gifts aren't for you to... Uh, exalt yourself with you know you let's think about what that would mean if you if you were uh, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought in relation to your spiritual gifts what would that look like for instance in a minister who has communication gifts yeah so uh, let's say in that case the minister uh, if he's exalting himself in his own mind he's thinking how great he is at communication what a wonderful teacher he is or leader uh, through that communication, and he's looking down his nose at people who don't have that. And yes. he's thinking that they are some sort of, yes. whether or not he wants to admit yes. it, his heart attitude towards them is that they're some sort of substrata of Christian yes. because they don't have what he has. Yeah, and let me take it further, that those gifts would be used for his own glory and promotion and prominence rather yes. than for the, the nutrients, spiritual nutrients for the church right, uh, and blessing of the church. How about... For instance, um, one of the gifts here says the one who contributes in generosity. How could that be uh, something that, that a gift that someone has whereby he thinks more highly of himself than he ought? Yeah, let's say the Lord has given someone some means and they, are, um, they, they have some financial wherewithal that they are contributing to the church. Um, that they know others cannot and don't do because of their different station in life and um, different financial circumstances. And that can become a great issue of pride, um, that, wow, I've given X number of dollars to the church over the past two years and, you know, how great I am. And, and again, we, we rarely think these things sort of on the front of our brain, sort of out loud as it were, but, but our hard attitude can be this. And what can be missed there is the principle of the widow's two mites, is that um, what what Jesus 
uh, is teaching in the Gospels by seeing the widow who puts in her last two mites, which are you know what less than a penny, sort of thing that she has given more than all the other mm. uh, rich folk who gave abundantly because they gave abundantly out of their great abundance, right. and it wasn't this hard attitude. And so we, the the principle is that that Paul is going after here is don't exalt yourself trying to look at some sort of strength that you have comparing yourself to what you consider others' weaknesses to be because it goes back ultimately to the heart. Yes, yes. And so, you know, without getting into uh, the specifics of all the various spiritual gifts which are named in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, uh, we do uh, want to encourage our listeners uh, who are in Christ uh, to to think of themselves in relation to their spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. Not to think more highly of yourself than you ought, but to think soberly about the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Now, um, we talked in Bible study uh, and brought up the the, the spiritual gifts test that some of us have taken (laughs) and uh, where you get you get this questionnaire and you're supposed to you know come out with knowing your your, your spiritual gifts and then you exercise them from that point. But what are some you know, ways some may may wonder how do I really know what my spiritual gifts are? How do I discern those? How would you answer that, Ross? I think in the context of the church, um, yeah, as you're as you're interacting with people, as as you come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and you see the needs that are there, and you see the the ways that you are more naturally adept at meeting those needs, um, where the Lord has sort of put burdens on your heart. Um, in in various areas, and then also in in consultation with the leadership of the church, um, and asking, you know, hey, I want to I want to be a faithful member of the body of Christ. I know I'm called mm-hmm. uh, to serve the rest of the body of Christ. Help me see how I can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, help me see how God has gifted me. What would you say to someone? I heard this recently, actually, on, a, on an online conversation. Someone that, that thinks that they don't really need to be active members of a local church, that, that they, they can be out from under that authority and just, you know, working and meeting up with Christians from time to time and that, that they're, they think that they're really following this mandate to be a member of the body of Christ. How would you respond to that? Well, I would respond by saying it, it's not a biblical attitude. Um, the the New Testament assumes connection to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, John fifteen, speaking of the vine and the branches, um, is saying, you know, you, you can't do anything unless you're connected to me. And the manifestation of Christ in this world right now, um, the body of Christ is the church, yeah. and, and Christ is the head, and Christ is the head of the church, exactly. And so. Um, as we've talked about before, to be someone who's not connected to the church is to to go with the illustration to be a decapitated Christian. And some some focus on the church as organism and discount church as organization, mm. right? You'll hear people say, "Well, I don't I don't believe in the institution of the church. I'm I'm a Christian, but I, I'm not going to be a part of the institutional church. That's man made." Is that true? Is it is institutional church man-made? No, it's not. It's it's a gift from Christ. Um, he uh, he is the one who has, uh, as we see Paul explaining in Ephesians, he's the one who has given the gifts of teachers and pastors. Uh, he is 
the one who in Matthew 28 um, commissions his apostles to uh, essentially establish the church, which we see them carrying out in the book of Acts. Yeah, what are the apostles doing in the, in the book of Acts? But, but preaching the word esta- and establishing biblical churches where there are elders who are under shepherds overseeing the flock. Yes. And where there's order and structure and oversight and shepherding care and discipline. And these are all the things that are taking place. And there's never a hint that as a Christian, you wouldn't be a part of a local manifestation of the body of Christ. It's assumed, right? It, it's assumed. That's what the apostles are doing. They're establishing churches. Uh, Jesus, uh, in, in the Gospel of John, he's telling the apostles, you know, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And there he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, that he's going to send his spirit um, that he pours out um, in, a, in, a, in a special way um, after his ascension uh, at Pentecost. But how does the Spirit work? It, the Spirit isn't just, uh, the Holy Spirit isn't just some sort of random spirit that is kind of doing things here and there randomly. Mm-hmm. The Spirit works through the church mm-hmm. because the Spirit works through the word and sacraments and prayer mm-hmm. um, as, uh, as he uh, uses those means of grace through the instrument, instrumentality of the church. Yes, yes. So it's not, you know, it's not willy-nilly, just do what you want. Actually, there is structure given, and that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we all need structure. We all need railings uh, in life. Um, we, need, we need Christ, and a faithful church is going to proclaim and communicate Christ to the people through word and sacrament. And then the outworking of that as a, as a, as a flock, the flock of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, Christ is providing leadership to help lead that flock. And that flock in community with each other can exercise their gifts within that community. That's what they're talking about here in Romans 12, right. isn't it? That, right. that as it says here again in, in verse 4, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Mm-hmm. So this is talking about an interdependency. We need each other. And that yes. really is an expression of true humility as a believer when you recognize your need for other believers and your need for the means of grace, your need for Christ, your need for the church, your need for the head of the church, Christ, but your need for the members as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, just like Paul unpacks in 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Exactly. And the foot cannot say to the leg, I don't need you. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. And that's exactly part of why he's bringing this up at the beginning, isn't he? That you can't think of yourself more highly than you ought because you are not self-sufficient. Yes. You, know, you, you need the rest of the body, and the body needs you. Um, but don't take that so far as to say that you're the one that's the, the gift to everybody else, and, and they need you, and you don't need them. Yes, You are completely and utterly uh, in need as a Christian to be plugged in with everyone else to receive their gifts. And to give of your gifts. So is it fair to say that a churchless Christian is an oxymoron? Yes. Is it true to say that a churchless Christian is a moron? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think we better maybe better plead the fifth on that one <laughs> for today. Well, Come talk to us privately. We do see it assumed from Genesis to Revelation that God has a people. Yes. And those people are called to live in community with one another. And they will know we are Christians by our love. Yes. So there's a there's not only an, a nurturing, interdependent aspect to the church, but it also 
when we live in community and love one another, there is a witness to the world as well. Yes. I'll, I'll never forget uh, many years ago in Douglasville, Georgia, we had a, a huge uh, flood. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually a couple people were killed uh, mm-hmm. not far from where we lived. They were trying to negotiate a, a bridge and the bridge was not there anymore. They couldn't see it though because the water was pouring over and they drowned mm-hmm. and one young mother, uh, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And tons of homes were flooded in Douglasville. And one of our elders in our church lived about four or five houses down from us in a very hilly neighborhood. And they actually lived in the, um, uh, in the bottom of, of like a valley almost. Mm-hmm. And the water from the lake in our neighborhood and just the water that was running off from the other parts of the neighborhood were all running right to mm-hmm. their house. And so quite literally, their, their basement was totally flooded. Mm-hmm. Their garage and their basement was, was totally flooded. And I got a call uh, from the elder's wife, and it was middle of the night, and the rain was coming down so hard you couldn't see more than 10 feet in front of you. It mm-hmm. was unbelievable. And, and she was hysterical saying, our house is flooding. We have nowhere to go. We don't know what to do. And uh, could you please come, come get us? You know, so I went over there. Literally, the 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 uh, uh, their um, big wheels and other balls and things were floating up right near the basketball hoop. Oh, no. It was that high in their in their yard. The water mm-hmm. was like it was like eight feet, nine feet of water. Mm-hmm. So we ended up getting them and bringing them over to the house, and um, and everything was fine. But the next day things were a mess Mm -hmm. and uh, it was extraordinary how many people came over from the church to help them Mm. tearing out drywall ripping up carpet um, and and cleaning it 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 must have been seven or eight hours but there were like 35 or 40 of us doing the work and we would from time to time we'd stop and sing a psalm together in the garage Mm. and it was just a sweet time well we had heard later that there was a family down the road who was, we knew, very loosely connected to a church who had their uh, basement, had some problems as well, but they didn't have anybody mm. to help them. Now, we didn't know about it. We would have gone over there and helped them too, but we found this out later that they were so moved by the love that was shown by our church to them in that time of crisis. And it was a witness it was a witness to them, to all the other neighbors as well, that the church cares for each other. And, you know, if the Lord is drawing his people to himself, then we know that he's going to use instances like that yeah. and other acts of love that take place in the church all year long to help to show them that these people are different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have people right now in our own congregation who are who are they're not Christians, they're, they're not members of our church, but they're, they're attending regularly and they're watching us. Yes. And they're seeing something different that t- takes place out in the world where it's every man for himself. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And so the, the encouragement here, the twofold encouragement uh, with all of this when it comes to spiritual gifts is, uh, first of all, let us be humble. Mm. Um, let, us, let us realize that anything we have is a gift from God first. And he's given it to us not for self-exaltation, self-promotion, self-focus, uh, but to, to be able to love the body of Christ well and to serve well, whatever that those gifts may be. 
And then secondly, as you pointed out uh, toward the beginning of this episode, um, if you're a Christian listening to this, um, realize that you are a member of the body of Christ and the rest of the body needs you. You may not see that clearly at this point. It may not make uh, it may not be clear where you, exactly your gifts fit or you fit in, um, but but the rest of the body of Christ does need you. And, and that's not hypothetical. That's no. that's actual a local body of believers yes. that you functioning within that community, and yes. you need that for your sanctification. Yes, absolutely. And so uh, we want to we want to listen to God's word here and understand that um, in humility we we should see that we are needed. Um, and that God has gifted us to uh, to fill needs within the local body of Christ. And we want to encourage uh, all our listeners uh, today to uh, even prayerfully consider how uh, the Lord has gifted them and how they might serve others. And I would like to say, too, before we conclude, Ross, it's important to say this, that this doesn't mean that it needs to be an official ministry set up no. for you to exercise your gifts, that they need to be necessarily noticed or acknowledged you know every week in the bulletin that you need to be have your name written down somewhere as doing a certain thing this can this takes place in ordinary relationships it it may you may be exercising your gifts in a large congregation where you never have an official position but you're serving and you're using that gifts those gifts to, to encourage and build up the body of christ so what we're talking about here is not well we need to every christian needs to go to their ministers and get something set up for them to exercise their gifts right it's exercise your gifts mm-hmm. and um and serve the lord in the context of your local body and 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 trust that god's word is true when it says that when as it says in ephesians when when every member is using their gifts it's 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 building up the body of christ and um and, and maturing the body amen amen Well, we thank you for joining us on this episode of Between the Times. Uh, We pray that you will be well, and we look forward to being with you again next time.